So this event is brought to you by Real Estate IQ, the number one in deal finding, 45,000 leads every month. So right now, without further ado, I'll be giving the floor to our speaker for today, Nancy. Thank you, Kyle. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. And um, if you've been with me, I had a, 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 a talk earlier today. So my hubby, he just brought me a glass, a big glass of water. So if I get all choked up, it's, you know, a lot of stuff's going on here. So, but I'm excited to be here. This is our third part in the series, uh, Grow Your Small Dollar IRA. I think we called it, get, you know, Get Rich With Your Small Dollar IRA, Self-Directed IRA. So I'm excited to... Um, be talking about this. I've been investing for over 15 years and um, I've, I started investing with small dollar IRAs a couple years ago and I've done presentations and, you know, it's really a great way to take control of your retirement income and to actually create wealth and have tax deferred. So if you've missed any of those, uh, you can always reach out to me. Um, I do webinars every now and then about just how to grow your small dollar IRA. So without further ado, we're going to get started, right, Kyle? So you're going to do my slides tonight, or do I have control? Yep, uh, I can do the slides for you. Just okay, let me know. thank you. So yeah, we'll just go on to the next one. So um, okay, so I am a I've a, written a couple books, uh, winning deals and heels, and then uh, most recently. Uh, the profitable landlord system. I've been, I've written articles for American Association of Private Money Lenders and actually talked about, you know, building your network of private money lenders uh, to, with account holders, with IRA account holders. Um, I was just telling Kyle, I'm pretty excited about this. I have my, uh, another book coming out and probably be out at the end of the week. And it's called, let me ask you this. And it's basically kind of my story and all the questions that I asked to become a successful real estate investor. And I share those questions and all my missteps and successes and mistakes in that book. So look for that one. It'll be out on Amazon. Should be um, coming out just here at like any day. So go ahead, um, Kyle, let's go to the next slide. Now, I use everything I'm going to talk to you about, I have actually done. So this is not like, okay, I went here. I have implemented all these strategies that I'm going to be talking about and that I have been talking about. So I use um, self-directed IRAs. I either use other people's or I use my own in three different ways. Acquire properties and or notes because you can buy notes as well. Um, becoming a private money lender or using account holders uh, their money to purchase properties and then using an option, uh, which we're going to talk a little bit about, um, later, but basically that's another strategy where you, if you truly do have a small dollar IRA, I recently just did a deal where, um, I used a hundred dollar option from my self-directed IRA, uh, to purchase a property. So that's a really good a technique to use as well. Okay. Keep going. Now, I, I do want to say, well, back up, we have to give a disclaimer. So first of all, I'm a real estate broker, but I am not a CPA. I'm not a financial planner. I'm not an attorney. So anytime you're going to use your self-directed IRA, make sure that you're checking with your tax advisor, with your CPA. Um, there are some prohibited transactions that you need to be aware of. Number one, if you're going to buy real estate with your IRA, the whole uh, piece of real estate has to be owned by the IRA um, or uh related IRAs, if you will, like my husband and I, the, the deal that we're going to talk about tonight is purchased with IRA money from my husband and I. So we own the property together. 
um, and that you just want to make sure that you always that the deal that the borrower and that you're doing your due diligence. A lot of people they'll you know listen to me and they'll go out you know and if you only have a small dollar IRA of four thousand dollars then you want to make sure you know what forms to use, what documents to put in place, and uh, so that your $4,000 is secured. Now, why should you learn about investing with a small dollar IRA? Well, number one, with this past year, it's just been a roller coaster, not just with the stock market, with people being laid off, eviction moratorium. I don't know anybody that hasn't been impacted somehow, some way, whether it's their business, their kids' school, you know, just how we like to go out and eat dinner and all of that. So, you know, I think this is a real good time of reflection for all of us. So uh, at the beginning of the year, my husband and I had a 401k that he had from a prior company. We couldn't contribute anymore. It was just sitting out there and it was completely tied to the stock market. And him and I had said, oh, you know what? Because what do we do? We, we are real estate investors. And we said, we need to move that money, right? We need to take that money out and stick it in and convert it into a, either a Roth IRA or traditional or something, but we needed to take it out of its current form. And we didn't do that. We talked about it at the end of 20, what are we, 2019. And we were, I remember we talked about it in December, 2019. We're like, oh, we need to do that. And, you know, we got busy, bought a property, whatever. And then what happened? We have COVID and then boom, the stock market just took a, took a serious hit there right at the beginning of the shutdown. And we were freaking out because we're at an age where we don't have time to wait for that to come back around, right? So fortunately, you know, because we were kicking ourselves that we didn't do that, the stock market did rebound. And as soon as it did, and we were made whole again, we went ahead and pulled that money out and rolled it over into um, a traditional IRA. So that way, that money is there. And then we can take control of what we're going to invest in. And we're not riding the roller coaster. So there's less reasons if you've been laid off, there's less reasons to contribute to a 401k. Um, and you know, people need secure vehicles to now I'm not talking about like a, you know, uh, um, an SUV or anything. I'm talking about a vehicle to invest those funds that are just sitting there and they need to be in an efficient and secured by real estate investment. So let's go ahead and go to the next slide. And then we're going to talk a little bit about the tax deferred part of it. Um, okay. I think we already, I already said this, I already disclaimed, so let's go to the next slide. Okay, so on the overview, so what what can be qualified as a self-directed IRA? Well, it can be a Roth, a traditional, an ESA or the Cloverdale educational uh, health savings account. Uh, I have a SEP IRA and also there's the checkbook IRA. So the main thing is that it's in a company, a self-directed custodial company, right? So there's one here in Texas, Quest Trust Company. I've done a lot of presentations with them, have accounts with them. Tomorrow, I'm actually doing a presentation for New View uh, Trust Company. They're out of Florida. So they uh, reached out and I'm going to be doing a presentation about my first deal I did with a small a $5,000 um, small dollar IRA that I had over 114% return on investment. So uh, if you want to check in that, that one's tomorrow at um, 12, I believe. Central Standard, Central Standard Time. So next slide, please, Kyle. Ugh. Okay, why did I do this? So I have been investing, like I said, for about 15 years. And I have, I am get very creative. So number one, I have a lot of deal flow. 
I uh, am a big believer in direct marketing, but I also, since I've been doing it for a while, I also get a lot of referrals. I have bought properties off of the MLS. And in the last couple of years, I just doing this part-time, I started looking at, when I started putting these presentations together for people, I said, wow, you know, between purchasing and being a private money lender with small dollar IRAs. Now, if you're like a capital venture person and you're raising, you know, millions of dollars, this probably doesn't really like go, wow. But if you're talking about account holders that have about 15 to 20,000 in their account and you're putting deals together with that money that's over a million dollars, I that's pretty cool. And uh, those investors, those account holders have earned an average of 10% interest or $135,000 paid to the account holders uh, points. Usually the, the terms are two points and 10% or 8%, but they, the account holders that have participated with me in funding these deals have earned an average of 24,900 points collectively. And then what we try to do is have all of the um, borrowers, they pay the fees. So we paid about $3,200 in fees. Um, what, what that means is that when you have a self-directed IRA account, when you have money going into it, there's no fee for that. I mean, there might be a maintenance fee quarterly that you pay, but when you become a lender or you're buying real estate and you take money out of that account, and I'm not talking about, you know, I'm talking about when you're buying real estate or you're becoming a private money lender, then there's usually a fee associated with that of 125 or, you know, 250 or whatever it is. And so I get my account holders, or I'm sorry, my borrowers to pay for that. So my account holders, I make sure they make the most money and they're not penalized by taking their money out. Now that maybe these numbers seem kind of low, but when you think about on the average, that's just about 10 account holders. You know, it's not really a big pool of people, but I've been able to turn their money over and over to a tune of over a million dollars. And that means a total earnings for them of almost $160,000 or on average, they're getting about $7,000 a month interest only payments to grow their IRA. Now, I want to say something here because you know how you can put in um, contributions every year. Any money that you earn above and beyond that doesn't affect, doesn't affect. So once you make your contributions, you can continue to put more money in from real estate investing or notes or, you know, whatever vehicle you're investing in, whether it's a private money lender and you're getting interest only payments. So what I'm saying here is that you can make your annual contributions, and you can continue to add to that by through your real estate investing. So, okay, Kyle, let's go on to the next uh, slide. Now, how do you get started? Well, you need to be with a self-directed custodial company. So if you're with Fidelity or Vanguard or some of the other ones, you might have a Uh, an IRA, but it's not self-directed. That's the key. It has to be with a self-directed company. Um, And there's, they're also sometimes called a checkbook IRA. So what I tell people is if you want to get in on this and you don't have that kind of an account, then, you know, contact your local custodial um, company and talk to them about opening an account. Now I recommend 5,000 just because that's kind of the easiest, but you know what? I just did a deal with a hundred dollars. I've done deals with $3,000, 2,500. So, you know, it's, it's really what you can put into the account and there is a way to use those small dollar IRAs to be a private money lender is a little harder if you only have, you know, $400 or whatever, but there are different ways that you can invest. Um, 
the focus of what I do is growing small dollar IRAs because there are a lot of people out there that have, you know, 50,000 or less. Um, but if you have more than that, if you have 100, 200, you know, 150, all of these techniques I'm talking about apply to you as well. It's just that my presentation is focused on those folks that, hey, you know what, they only have $7,500 in their um, kid's college account, and maybe they need to grow that. They have time. The child's only, you know, five, so you got some time. Um, you know, age does come into it because, like I said before, when uh, my husband and I hit got that hit from the stock market, you know, we're closer to the side of retirement than we are than the, you know, having 30 years to wait. So we are very active in, you know, growing our retirement income through this, these methods of investing that I'm talking about. Um, okay, let's go to the next slide, Kyle. Now, marketing for a deal, because people will say, well, I don't know how to find the deal. I don't have any marketing money or whatever. And you know what? I, like I said, I've been doing it for a while. And here's some just very low cost um, ways that you can find property. So number one, you need to be telling everybody that you know that you're looking for real estate investment. I focus on distressed sellers, houses that, you know, need some love or the families, the, the people that own the house are going through some life situation. Um, uh, the people I market to are probate, uh, senior citizens with homesteads, because they usually have a lot of equity in their property, and uh, non-owner occupied or landlord properties, okay? Um, referrals, Facebook, Craigslist. Um, I don't know too many people that get off of uh, for sale by owner, but you know, they're out there. And then, you know, you have to set a budget so that you can start, you have to like commit some form of a, a budget, whether it's gonna be budget of time, where you're gonna drive for dollars, where you're going to buy a list, you're going to do direct messaging. And I've done everything I've done. I've used VAs to do cold calling. I've done cold calling. I, you know, do postage, text messaging. What works for me is referrals and direct marketing. And I'm telling you, I, I wrote, um, I'm going to turn around here for just a second. So I don't know if you guys can see this probably backwards. King Corsini, he is, um, he used to be on HGTV Atlanta, and he just came out with a book in November, and it's called The Best Real Estate Deals That Shaped Expert Investors by Ken Corsini. He's big on bigger pockets. I'm in chapter 12. <laughs> so the deal that I talk about is with the small dollar IRA, and I talk about how I got it. Um, and basically, I used a postcard, and I do a lot of postcards. Uh, I used to do yellow letters and all of that. Postcards for me are the most efficient. So cost-wise, they're easy to send out and that kind of thing. So, all right, let's go to the next. Um, okay, so what I'm going to talk about tonight is, so we've talked about different deals that I've done, right? So this one, I wanted to show you an example of how you can take more than one IRA and throw it together. So a good buddy of mine is on the call tonight and his name is Joel. He's out of Wichita Falls. So Joel and I do some partnering up in Wichita Falls, Texas. So he actually, um, I bought this house and, uh, you know, I have marketed for it and whatnot. And he actually got me a buyer for that house. And so this is why, how we started working together and you're a great guy, Joel. So I'm going to give a shout out. And I'm going to tell a little story about Joel here in a minute after I talk a little bit about this one. So this was a distressed seller. It was actually an elderly lady that was, um, she had already moved out of the house and she just needed to sell the house. Um, had been on the market for a while and it's a three bedroom, two bath. Um, it's about 1600 square feet. It was built in 1951. So 
the types of rentals and owner financing and the types of properties I like to do, I do like to do rentals and owner financing. Those are my first two go-to strategies. Um, I will do, I have done some wholesaling. I used to do more flipping, but if you've had, I've had a couple of flips this last year that I just had so many issues with contractors. I said, okay, I'm going to put that on hold until we get through whatever we're going through right now. So one of the things I look at is, okay, what is, um, you know, what do properties rent for? And so in this case, it was $850. And uh, what are they selling for? Not what I'm paying for it. Okay, go to the next um, slide, please. So I look at when I get a property under contract. So what I do is I first, I do my marketing like I showed you, and then I get the property under contract. I talk to the owner. And a lot of times I'll get the property under contract before I even go see the house, right? Number one, I have boots on the ground that can do that for me. But number two, because of the areas that I am marketing in, I know what is an appreciating area. And I already know, like, I kind of get an, a sense of how, how much I can buy that house for during my phone call with the seller. So in this particular case, I looked at, okay, what should my exit strategy to, would be? And it, there's two of them. I would either have a rental or I would do an owner finance, okay? Because of the location of the property, I decided that I need to lean further to owner financing. So under my profitable landlord system, uh, I have certain criteria that I outline that says, okay, if a property is like more than two hours, it's not going to be a good rental for me. I like a property that's a little newer than 1951. The floor plan was okay on this house. That wasn't really ideal. They had kind of a funky big um, fireplace in the master. So it was a little weird. Um, if I did it up in, the, in that area, it's about two hours away, I would have to hire a property management company. Um, the rents in the area like aren't really that great for me. And there was no HOA, so I didn't have to worry about that. So on the owner finance side, the location, I don't really care about that because you know what? Once I sell the house, I don't have to do anything with it unless I have to foreclose on it, right? Uh, the age doesn't matter. What matters in owner finance is what can I sell the house for and who can I sell it to? So the floor plan on owner finance properties, I do put in a loan servicing company so that the, my buyer ends up paying the loan servicing company, which is really important if you're gonna do it with a small dollar IRA. And then of course, what the sales are in the area and then the HOA. So in this particular case, I decided to go owner finance. So let's go to the next uh, slide, Kyle. But how was I gonna pay for it? Cause that's in the other thing, right? So you gotta figure all these out. So I was purchasing the house for $60,000. And so I said, you know what? My, between my husband and I, we had cash money and uh, three IRAs and this is how I bought the house. So my purchase price was $60,000 and I was going to use, I had $50,000 in my SEP IRA. Again, these are all self-directed. Uh, we had a traditional IRA for $5,000 and a Roth IRA for $5,000. So that's where I came up with the purchase price. Now we ended up owner financing this house for $95,000. So at the time that we sold the house, we collect our terms to their buyer was $9,500, 10% down, and the buyer is paying us 9.5% for 15 years. Now, what does that look like in when you do this with different um, IRAs? Let's go to the next slide. Okay, so kind of that's kind of okay. So the monthly payment ended up being $1,271.81 interest only. Now, remember, I basically paid cash. I didn't because my IRAs 
they own the property. Nancy doesn't own the property. My husband, Brian, doesn't. It's not in an LLC. It's my SAP and then one of his um, Roth and one of my Roth, right? So those that's who owns that property. And we're going to talk about how that looks on the deed of trust. So the total interest paid over the 15 years is going to be $75,000. In addition to, so I bought it for 60, 65, I sold it for 95, right? I think I've got, and, and then I'm making like 30, 35,000 on the sale of it, right? my IRAs are. And then over the course of 15 years, if she doesn't refinance out, I'll make an additional $75,000 just in interest. Okay. I have another slide. that will be a little bit more clear as mud. Okay. Let's go to the next slide. So how does that look? Now, one of the things that you have to do if you're going to invest with a self-directed IRA is you have to calculate the numbers for the custodial company. They're not going to do it for you. Now, I could say, okay, my SEP, what I did is I did straight math. I said, okay, the, I'm buying the property for uh, $60,000, 60, yeah, $60,000. So my SEP is paying um, 50, so it owns 83%. And it's called on the deed of trust, it would say uh, Nancy's, you know, or Quest Trust Company for the benefit of, uh, you know, my name, my account number, an undivided interest of 83%, right? So what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, it means that of that payment, that $1,200 that my lady's paying, I, my SEP will earn, one, will be paid back $1,056 a month or over the course of the 15 years, 190. So, it's, so I'll gain about $140,000, so to speak. Uh, the traditional IRA owns eight and a half, and so does the Roth. So you'll see that, that since that's uh, even, each of those will receive 107.50. Now, who makes sure that money goes in there? So remember I said that the person I sold the house to, they, I put a loan servicing company in place. So they're going to pay the loan servicing company. The loan servicing company then sends a check to the custodial company, the custodial company has the deed of trust and they know what payments are gonna go into each account and they're the ones that divvy up the money. The only thing that you have to do is you have to do this part. You have to say, okay, this step owns 83. Now, what I could do, it's really my call, but I could actually, even though this step paid 50 and they only paid five and five, if I wanted to, I could say, well, I only want this SEP to get 20%, right? I could do that. If I wanted to grow this more than this one, I could do that. It seems a little convoluted, so I don't do it that way. Um, but I could if I wanted to, because why? The terms are flexible. You, it's, you are in control of it. Now, I keep talking about you know tax deferred and all that. So let's just say, let's fast forward 15 years. And let's say I was 20 when I did this. So... Um, when I'm 20, I could, if I, let's just say there was no rule about, you know, taking out the money before 59 and a half. So 20, 15, so I'd be 35. So let's make it a little easier. Let's say that I turned 60. So I'd be 40, 60. So let's say I wanted to take out only $5,000 of that money. That's when I'm going to pay the taxes on it. If I take out the whole lump sum, you know, 59 and a half, I'll pay taxes. But let's say one year, you know, I only need to supplement my income by $20,000. I'm only going to pay 
taxes on the 20, the rest of this money stays in the account. Here's how that helps you as far as tax deferred and controlling the amount of taxes you pay. Um, let's go to the next slide, please. Okay, so at the end of it, this will be the value. This will be like getting my money back and everything like that. So given that example, let's say I only, if I was flipping this house or let's say that I was owner financing it and I was not doing it in a SEP or a, any kind of self-directed IRA, then I pay taxes, passive as it is, you know, as I go through the years. But right now I have a higher rate of paying taxes than, you know, maybe 20 years from now. So I'm gonna control how much money and when I'm gonna pay taxes on this amount. It makes more sense when you're talking about doing like a flip house or I could actually sell this note if I wanted to. If I wanted to kind of cash out, I could literally sell the SEP IRA portion of this and keep the two smaller amounts because I can sell the a partial. Um, so you have options to do this. Um, I know it kind of doesn't probably make a whole lot of sense because there is some paperwork behind it and everything that we don't really have time to go through, but I'll be happy to answer the questions. Um, but the, the point being is that all of my IRAs, now let's just say that I was buying this property, but I was using three people who had a self-directed account. They weren't mine. They were just allowing me, let's say I was going to rent that house or whatever. They were letting me borrow the money. They were my lenders. So these three would be still be in first lien position on the deed of trust based on the percentage, which if we go back, go back to that last slide, uh, Kyle, please, that each of those people would earn. So if you were a private money lender, so kind of switch hats for a second, Nancy bought this property, but let's just say that I was buying it and I was using it as a rental. And so I was using these three account holders as private money. It works the same way. They're in first lien position based on the percent that they bank. There's no second lien here. They're all on the same deed of trust. Now, the key to doing this, like if you're going to become a private money lender, is to have a good JV agreement behind the scenes. My husband and I, we don't need a JV agreement because, you know, whatever I say goes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> But, you know, we're, we're investing together, right? We're a husband-wife uh, team. But if I was doing it, let's say, with, um, uh, you know, there were three people that were lending that were not related, they were just account holders, then they would want to have a JV agreement behind the scenes because in case I, for, I not forgot, I stopped paying and they needed to foreclose on the property, then they would have to already be in agreement before the papers were drawn up. What, how would they would handle that before you get into this? You want all of that taken care of before you ever, you know, send any money to, uh, to when you become a private money lender. So uh, next slide, please, Kyle. And I think we can go to the next one. Okay, so that all together, like you do all the numbers, is like a 400% return on investment. But the thing is, is it's tax deferred. Like when, when at the end of the day, we are making a decision to purchase an asset in an appreciating area. We already made money going into the deal because we bought it for 60, we sold it for 95. If I wanted to, if the lady uh, refinanced out, she would pay me off. And so I would get all the money. I wouldn't get that interest that we talked about. Or if I wanted to, let's just say I wanted to free up the cash value of my IRA, I could sell the note. So you have a lot of different options. Okay, we're going to go to the next slide. 
Okay, I guess we're like done here. So while at the end, here's my contact info. And if you guys want my free checklist about how to use IRAs to be a lender, just email me at nancy at kbnhomes.com with IRA in the subject line. So before we end what I want or answer any questions, I want to tell a story. So uh, Joel, I told you how, um, him and I just recently did a deal and it was supposed to be really, really smooth. Well, one of the things that you're not going to learn until you go through it. Um, but I'm telling you is that you have, to, when you're buying these properties, you have to have a title company that understands the paperwork. So you're either going to close on these deals at a title company or an attorney's office. So, um, and the question has to be asked, the people that work at the title company, do they understand how to do the paperwork with a self-directed IRA? When I work with people uh, as my, when they're my private money lenders, I have a packet, the documents that they need. I fill it out for them. I email it to them and I walk them through how to do it. And once you've done it once or twice, it's super easy, but there is some paperwork that's involved. I mean, it's, you know, it's regulated. So there's some paperwork. So Joel and I um, did a deal and I kept telling the title company, look, you need to have one deed of trust. And their attorney was like, no, no, we don't need one deed of trust. So they made three deeds of trust, three promissory notes. And what happened? The, the custodial company said, no, we're not accepting it. And we had so much back and forth that it delayed closing for over a week. The seller was about ready to walk. Poor Joel was the one that was talking to the seller and it was a nightmare for him. So I want to say, I just want to say a shout out to Joel because he hung in there and, um, and through no fault of mine or his, you know, but for the title and then some people were sick and, you know, then we had players change. And so it can get messy. And so I caution you that when you start down this road, that number one, you've got to know the paperwork. You've got to know what documents you have to have. You've got, I mean, you know, there's a, the vetting process and everything. And I'm just saying this as a word of caution because you know, you, this is money that you want to control to grow, not, you know, money to lose. So um, that's kind of just my closing comments about that. So um, Joel, did I cover that good enough? <laughs> it was, it was crazy. We did get the deal done, but I had to end up, what ended up happening was um, I had to call the custodial company and, you know, put on my really, really mean hat to get them to fund the deal. And it was, um, you know, it was just, it was just not as smooth as, uh, as normally they go. And poor Joel's like, uh, does this normally happen? I'm like, no, this does not happen. So there was many things that we, you know, kind of faltered on. And, you know, in real estate, that's what happens. You know, sometimes you, you know, hit it, hit a home run and it's good. And sometimes you can still hit the home run, but you got a few foul balls that you got to take care of. So, Alrighty, uh, let's see. Okay, so Victor says, so you can decide how much goes in. Yes, you can. And I, and I wanna speak specifically about the points. Um, so another um, another deal I did, I, I had an investor and he needed money. He needed about $135,000 and it was not my deal, but I had the private money lenders and I knew the investor, he's very seasoned and you know happy to help him out. And I had my my group of private money lenders, uh, account holders that wanted to, you know, get their money to put to use. So I coordinated the deal, right? And the terms were two points and 10%. Well, the two points I took as a fee to coordinate the deal. They were paid to me at closing. They didn't go into an IRA. I just took them as like a kind of a commission, if you will, um, because it's all flexible. When you talk about private money lending and you're using IRA account holders, it's all, you know, negotiable. 
<clears throat> and I've done things with people where, you know, I've just paid them interest and no points, or I've paid them points or I pay them at the end of the deal. Um, you know, like if I know I'm just going to keep the money for a short amount of time. So there's all different ways, but yes, you can, you can dictate, if you will, who gets how much. Now, if you are working with a bunch of account holders, let's say you got three or four on the most people I've used, I've used four account holders with seven different accounts. All right. So we did not pool the money. That's a question I get asked a lot. Do you create an LLC and put all that money in? No, no, you do not. You just, you simply have each person listed by the amount that they're investing. And, but you could say, sometimes you have to kind of round up and down because, you know, it's a percentage and you can't, you know, you can't have a payment of 0.999. So I think hopefully that answers that question. <clears throat> so after we had this, I wanted to know from you all, I see Kyle threw it up there. So if you have a, or if you have a self-directed IRA, would you like to learn more about how to invest in real estate or notes or owner financing? Um, is that something that you'd be interested in? <clears throat> Sorry, guys, my, I think my voice is about to give out here. So, all right, do we have any Q&As? I was so good. Nobody has any questions. They're all quiet. It's chickens. Yep. So I think we'll give uh, more time for them to think about uh, any questions that they could um, think of. And let me just go through some uh, the next few slides about REIQ. Um, this event is brought to you by Real Estate IQ, the number one in deal finding 45,000 leads every month. And our guarantee is you will always find a deal with Real Estate IQ. And we would appreciate your feedback. So at the end of this webinar, you'll be getting a link for a feedback form. And we would appreciate that if you guys could answer that form so we could um we would know what you guys would want to um um us to improve on our webinars and those kind of stuff and then we also got the customer service details on your screen right now i'll be posting that one on the chat box in just a bit so you could copy paste that one on your computer and we also got freebies that we could offer to you guys. And here's uh, the next poll. It's all about freebies. Please uh, do ans um, answer that poll on your screen right now. And if you missed the free 45-minute one-on-one deal finding training, or if you missed that, that poll for that one, you can request for a demo on the chat box just type demo or request demo and i'll be picking up your details through the chat so if you want to join our uh, community portal um it's like a social media but it's all about um, real estate it's community.realestateiq.co and if you want to check out the events or the webinars that we are having all throughout the week we got uh, this link, uh, realestateiq.co slash events. You can register for all the webinars there. So right now we'll be having Q&A. We got a question from Jonathan. Okay. It's, uh, is the lending criteria for SDIRA ACE still limited to arm's length transactions only? No lending to direct descendants or ascendants, or is that incorrect? 
No, you, that's still a thing. You can't lend, you know, to your daughter. My daughter can't lend to me. It has, still has to be the arm's length. Um, so what I've tried to do, uh, Jonathan, is just really try to build up my network of private money lenders so that when I have a deal, if my husband and I cannot do it in our own IRA, then, you know, we can at least acquire the property quickly with other people's IRA money as long as it's, uh, you know, the arm's distance. So, so Roy, uh, good to know about self-directed IRAs. So I'm going to make a shameless plug here. Um, I actually have a course, an online course about how to invest with your self-directed IRA. So if you email me, I'll just, uh, I'll follow up with you about that. So, and while you guys are still on here and thinking on this, so, um, you know, if we move forward with some more of these webinars on, uh, you know, investing with self-directed IRA, what, what more information would you like to know? Um, as far as, you know, what to do with it, when, when can you do it? I know sometimes people say, well, you know, I, I can't do the deal. You're, you know, I can't find the deal, which, you know, you would still need to be prepared if you found the deal. Um, you know, it might just be the area that you're looking in. It's, you know, like I live in the Dallas Fort Worth area. It's super competitive. And I can tell you that I have to go. Um, I don't buy properties in. I actually live in Frisco, Texas. And I would love to say that I am, you know, uh, investing in my own backyard. I am not. <laughs> it is too pricey here. So I do go to secondary markets, um, Wichita Falls, Corsicana, Kearns. Um, I recently just bought a house, if, if for those of you that know, uh, in Granbury, Texas. And um, my husband and I are actually uh, doing an Airbnb down there. And we found it driving for dollars, believe it or not, in Granbury. So Hood County is another very um, appreciating area. So Dallas is, I mean, you can still get, I mean, I do a lot of deals over in Tarrant County, Fort Worth, but um, Dallas, I mean, we're pretty inundated with investors here. And um, so, you know, you just have to, if you do driving for dollars, uh, you know, that's a good way to create your own list that no one else is going to find. Uh, the other way is you just have to be consistent because you never know, like the first deal that I did, you know, the, the property had been vacant for like five years. And, um, but you know what? The guy just got my card. It wasn't like I was the first investor to contact him, but he just made a decision that day that he was ready to sell the property. You know, it wasn't like I was like, my card was magic. It was just timing. And sometimes it's just timing. But if you are consistent with your marketing and don't give up, just be consistent. So, um, Yes, Jonathan, Dallas is very competitive. And, and I was just talking to someone earlier today that they do a lot of wholesaling off the, you know, when they get a foreclosure and they have people that are buying at 85 and 90%. That's exactly true. Um, yes, Richmond, Virginia, that's that. And that, but that's a pretty competitive market I've heard too. But anyway, yes. And you just have to be diligent and, you know, you have to be ready to walk away if the numbers don't make sense for you. Um, I will pay a little more for a rental if it doesn't have a ton of work to go with it. So I'll pay a little more. I won't pay real retail, but I will pay a little more for it. Um, let's see. Victor says, I'm moving my 401k to a self-directed IRA to buy notes, fix and flips, buy and hold. Good job. And, you know, I will say this, Victor, to you. When you do flips, <clears throat> just know um, I haven't ever done flips in my uh, self-directed IRA. And this is why. 
you have to be careful about all the fees that you're going to be paying. And when, you know, cause all the money has to come from the IRA and go back to the IRA. And depending on what company you're going to go with, it could be very cost prohibitive by them having to send out, um, you know, a check to your vendors and there could be a delay. Now, if you're able to get a checkbook, a uh, self-directed checkbook IRA, you might be better off. So just make sure when you're setting it up, what kind of fees if you do uh, both buy and hold and fix and flip. So most of my buy and holds, I don't put in an IRA because I don't like that. You know, sometimes you have to make a repair right away and you might trigger an audit, if you will, if you're paying for stuff because you're supposed to be, you know, you, you know, like if let's say, I don't know, a tenant moves out and you have to pay the water bill or you have to clean or whatever, that money technically needs to come from your IRA, not from your personal bank account. So just be careful about the rules on that. So thank you so much for answering uh, those questions. If you guys still got more questions, please do drop it off the chat box or the Q&A box while I pull up the last poll that we have for this webinar. It's all about webinar updates. If you want to get uh, it from REIQ, just answer the last poll. And I think uh, Jonathan has a new message. Wow, yeah, we just picked up a property over in Arlington that will be likely wholesaling less than six minutes from uh, Utah and nearby the AT&T <laughs> Stadium. Thanks for sharing this info, Nancy. Thank you also, Jonathan. And you know what, Jonathan? If it makes sense, check out Airbnb if they don't have a lot of <clears throat> restrictions. That might be a good area for Airbnb, short-term rental <clears throat> for both the college and all the other stuff that's over there. You can go on a little tip. You can go on Airbnb. If you've never done this before, you can go on Airbnb and before you list it, you can put in all the information and they'll give you a report. You don't have to pay for it. They'll try and get you to pay the, they have like an air, I don't know. It's like an MLS for the Airbnb, but they will tell you, you know, uh, based on the size of the property and the neighborhood and all that, approximately how much money you could rent that for and how many nights. So you might just, if it makes sense. <coughs> Sorry, I have the tickle. So Joel type uh, just Nancy. Uh, uh, there you go. There's his question. Can I purchase the home with my wife's IRA and then do the rehab out of my business account? Okay, tricky question. So remember, I'm not a CPA or a tax attorney. So what I would say is just look at your options and it could be possible. But because I'm not a tax person and I don't wanna give you any wrong information, um, there could possibly be a way to do it. I'm just probably not the person to, to tell you what that is. So who, who asked that question? Was that a question question? Let me look at that. Was that a question question, Kyle? No, answered. Let's see, can I purchase the home with my wife, sorry, and then do the rehab out of my business account? So, you the yes you can and what you what your what your wife's IRA might be able to do is take a loan does that make sense like you're borrowing the money from your business account i don't know if that would work but i would certainly look into that All right so any more questions guys <clears throat> we'll be waiting uh let's give them a minute more there you go we got another message from Jonathan absolutely i've been told to airbnb it for sure. We are brainstorming how we're going to dispose this. 
Thanks again, you all. There you go. Thank you also, Jonathan. And if you guys still have questions, please do drop it off the chat box. And I also posted uh, Nancy's contact details on the chat box. So if you uh, want to reach out to her and um, if you got um, questions that you will uh, be thinking of after this webinar, you can reach out to her directly. So Absolutely. I so I think as of now, there's no more um, questions. And that was a really great presentation, Nancy. And uh, thank you so much for uh, that really wonderful presentation. Thank you, Kyle. And, you know, I probably won't talk to you before um, Thanksgiving and everybody that was up tonight. You know, happy Thanksgiving. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll all see each other up in December and happy investing. Yep. Happy deal finding everybody and have a great day. Thank you so much, Nancy. All right. Bye-bye. For webinar schedules, follow us at our official social media accounts or visit us at www.realestateiq.co.